Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Libby Karstensen. She has a company called Liberated Coaching, and she's also a workshop facilitator, kundalini yoga teacher, and so much more. She's here to speak about her work in the field of personal development and how to make lasting change in your life by truly following your intuition and love. Sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everybody, Keith here. Um, Hope you're having a great week wherever you are on the planet. Um, It's been quite a journey for me over the last few weeks. I've been traveling back down to California. Um, Coming up in the next little bit, I'm heading to Portland, California again, and uh, to Maui, Hawaii. So there's going to be a lot of adventures to report back to you on in the next bit. Um, In my recent journey down to California, I had the great opportunity to meet a woman named Libby, Libby Karstensen. It actually wasn't the first time that I've met her. Uh, The first time I met her was in Maui, Hawaii a few years ago. I went to Maui because I was um, called to go down there and finish up the writing of my book on mindfulness, um, intuitively called. I'm a huge fan, many of you may know, of Dr. Wayne Dyer, who was the author of several books. He was an amazing inspirational speaker and one of my greatest teachers. And uh, after Wayne had passed away, um, I was just really intuitively called to go back to Maui where he lived to finish up the writing of my book. And while I was there, I, um, I ran into Libby. So you're going to hear about all of that in this interview with Libby. Um, also, I, the funny thing is when I reached out to Libby and said, you've got to come on the podcast, she was um, super excited. And she said, yes, I'd love to. But here's the deal. You need to come to my yoga class. She's a kundalini yoga teacher. And for those of you that aren't familiar with kundalini yoga, it is quite a transformational experience, to say the least. And um, so I found myself in Encinitas, California, in this very, very tiny yoga studio. It kind of felt like I was in Hawaii, but I was just north of San Diego. And uh, I attended Libby's class, and a few really amazing miracles happened. I um, walked into the lobby of the studio. The lobby is actually outside, which is so beautiful when you're from Canada in the winter and you're at this outdoor yoga studio lobby. Um, There was a picture of a man who was one of my teachers several years ago named Michael Stone. For those of you that aren't familiar with Michael's work, he is an incredible um, transformative meditation teacher uh, in the world of mindfulness, quite a deep thinker and thought leader. He wrote, I believe, at least a couple books. Um, He passed away a few years ago and... um, I just felt so blessed that I got to sit in on some of his lectures and teachings when I was taking my yoga teacher training. Anyway, there was a picture of Michael up in the lobby of the studio. And as I was standing there waiting to go into Libby's class, I remembered um, some of the teachings from Michael back in the day. There was this one in particular where we, all of us yoga students, went to his, his training And we were sitting there and he showed up and he sat down on a yoga cushion and he just stared at us. He just stared at us and looked around the room and didn't say a word. It was just all looking at us. And this lasted for, I'm not exaggerating, this lasted for about 20 to 25 minutes. And as you can imagine, it got more and more awkward as Michael was sitting there staring us all down and just nodding. And uh, it got to the point where people were saying, 
are we going to start this lecture or what? And people were trying to like break him out of his silence. Hey, Michael, what's going on? And um, in my head, I was thinking, man, this guy's kind of weird. Like he's just sitting there not saying anything. Like what is going on here? And uh, I left. He finally did speak. He finally did speak about um, the practice of mindfulness. But he never debriefed why he started the first 20 to 25 minutes of his uh, lecture in complete silence, awkward silence. So cut tape. I'm a few weeks ago in Ensenada, California, and I'm, I'm there in this yoga lobby, and I see Michael's picture. And all of a sudden, I had this intuition and memory of that moment. And it dawned on me that... Uh, Michael was actually trying to teach a very, very powerful lesson in holding that awkward silence. And I was thinking about how busy our brains go, 25 miles an hour, trying to get stuff done and accomplish this and do that and acquire more. And he was literally embodying the practice of how to counter all of the busyness by just without attaching to any of those thoughts, just being present, nodding your head to it all, and showing up to whatever life presents itself in the moment without needing to get anywhere, literally without needing to start the lecture, just acknowledging and being with what is. And um, so that, that's how this all started for me a few weeks ago before I met Libby for her class. And then I went in and took her yoga class. And I have to tell you, it was so transformative. We did these breath practices and we were waving our arms over our head and uh, Libby went on to tell us that kundalini yoga is literally a science-based method for reprogramming, for healing, for changing your thought patterns. She is an incredible leader and teacher. And I'm just so excited for you to um, just get to know her a little bit on this podcast. So after the class, we sat down next door and had a very heartfelt kundalini-inspired kundalini uh, conversation. And you may find the first few moments of this interview a little bit airy, so to speak, because we were both just literally coming down from, or maybe we were rising up, as they say, from the effects of kundalini. It just puts you in this transformative state. So um, without further ado, open your hearts, open your minds, and take in the words and wisdom of Libby Karstensen here on Let's Connect. This is really nice to be sitting here across from Libby Carstensen. Um, we met several, maybe four years ago, five years ago in Maui, and it was just like spirit was <laughs> making it happen to connect with you. And I, I've thought of you ever since. You opened a major door for me, wow. literally and uh, spiritually, and you just did today at the yoga class we just did. <laughs> Thanks for being here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. an honor to be here. Yeah. You're just this light in the world. Um, your ability to serve and connect and just bring the light in, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. And congratulations on completing your first ever kundalini class. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, that was the first full length one that I understood a little bit more. Mm -hmm. The first time I went, I went to one before in, in Golden Bridge or something in, yeah, LA. in LA. And I just had no idea. It was, my mind was just racing the whole time. Like my egoic mind was like, what? I thought we were supposed to do downward dog and we were doing all these chants and everything. And, <laughs> but I feel like there's been an evolution yeah. and uh, it was perfect time 
to, yeah. to do that with you today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So we're just having this moment. We should bring everybody into oh, the yes. conversation. Please come in. Um, yeah. So I, I, what's great about this is that I don't know a ton about you, except mm-hmm. I know that you're a door opener for people and a connector and highly attuned with spirit. Um, so where do we start? How did this, was it, was it always like this for you? Where did you begin your journey here on the planet? Oh my gosh. Um, that is like such a loaded question. Yeah. Um, yes, it has always been like this. Hmm. And yes, I have cloaked and daggered and mirrored always being like this in many different ways throughout childhood and as a teenager and in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. Um, I've always had this sense or this connection that... You know how it's like you, especially when you're in these consciousness-based practices, it's like you start to become aware of the 60 to 80,000 thoughts you have in your mind. Yes. But then you also start to become aware of a thread Mm. that, or, or a... Just like that, as the fire truck drives past, <laughs> it's like that's where our attention goes. Right. Um, but there's there's always been this kind of thread of stillness, I guess is the best way to um, to articulate it that I that I have been aware of since I was a child. But it never really made sense because where I grew I grew up on a farm in Iowa. Really? Yeah. This is so fun to get to know you. Okay. Yeah. I grew up on a farm in Iowa. <laughs> wow. And, um, you know, the, when I think back to what the desire was, you know, as a child was to belong. Uh-huh. And I very much felt like I did not belong. Hmm. And I... Um, you know, even when I would go to church or I would do things like that, I was like, oh, you know, cause I felt spirit, right. I felt like that. I felt a connection, even though I didn't know how to articulate it, mm-hmm. but it was like, I couldn't find it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't finding it, you know, at school, I wasn't finding it, um, in all these various places. And then that kind of confusion, but I was always seeking So it was like, I was looking, I wasn't finding it there, but I didn't even know what I was seeking because I couldn't put it into language. Right. But it was more of a feeling or a sense. And um, I would say that it really wasn't until, um, and kind of the theme throughout my life is a lot of grief and loss. You know, a lot of catalyst where it's like, you know how some people, um, they can have like really really challenging, dramatic events happen and some just barely survive and then others thrive because they build that resilience. Yes. So I feel like for me, resilience has always been kind of like the constant beside me. It's like, this is building resilience. So it's like, instead of going the other way and just giving up and throwing up my hands, something within me allowed me to create a new meaning around my experience and, um, and that really informed me to move forward. I feel like I'm talking a lot of smokes and mirrors. Yeah. Let me break it down for you. Yeah. So, um, like a little more specifically. Here's specifically. Here's how I was playing hide and seek with myself. Okay. Drugs and alcohol and sex. Okay. Overworking, distracting myself as much as possible. Right. Can anyone relate to that? <laughs> I can hear people <laughs> nodding their heads listening to this right now. But I feel like, you know, people who have addictions. Uh-huh. 
sometimes the most spiritual people because they're seeking. It's just we're seeking in the ways that are actually not going to bring us closer to ourselves. It's actually more kind of hide and seek. Would you say that's like some people might reference that as the ego? Is that what you would call that? So I would, so here's, I, I have a really interesting relationship with that because I think of, um, you know, Deepak Chopra. So I worked at the Chopra Center um, for over a decade. And then I'm also one of, um, I still teach there at different, you know, workshops and retreats. And Deepak teaches that the idea is not to get rid of the ego, but instead to become aware of it and where it directs us. Oh, okay. So it's like the, I mean, I think that's part of being a human being. Because think about it this way, the idea to get rid of the ego uh-huh. is actually very egoic. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm, this is going to be loaded question back, but so why, what's your perspective of why we would have an ego? Like what's its purpose for us? So what I was just thinking about this morning actually is that, because I often ask, and I think that actually is the question that caused me a lot of confusion as a kid and also as an adult and also as who I am talking to right now is what's the meaning? Why are we here? Right. And what I have come up with for me, because I believe it, it based off our experience, it's going to be very different for each one of us. Uh But for me, I feel that I am here to, um, I don't want to say unlearn, but all of the blocks and the barriers for me, actually, truly feeling that connection, my, we were just in Kundalini, so we were talking about Satnam, our truth, our identity, mm-hmm. that it's really the, um, that illusion or that Maya, right, of like playing the hide and seek yeah. for us to, and I think the ego does a really good job of that, mm. of, you know, there's that, that disconnect between um, who I am here in this physical body and then that sense of oneness. Oh, yeah. So if we can look at, if we can have like a healthy relationship, and I believe it is possible with the ego, because um, my ego has actually directed me into some pretty amazing things, and also not amazing things. Uh-huh. Um, but I think the, the idea that we can notice and be aware of it, and choose to either follow or not follow is like such a powerful practice. Wow. Can you, I'm just, I'm hooked on the part that you said the ego led you to some amazing things. Yeah. What are some of those things that in that context that it led you towards? So I think for me, career. Hmm. How so? How did it happen that way? Like, yeah. Um, so I think in career in, you know, this is, I, so one of the things that I do is I teach Kundalini yoga. Um, I do life coaching specifically really focusing on resilience. I work with people going through grief and loss. Wow. Um, and then I also work, you know, with a lot of, you know, companies and entrepreneurs, I call it liberated works. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And, and part of that is, um, what I'm learning is like, so the ego has directed me in the past. I used to work in radio, which is why this po- this podcast this is, is so, so much fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. So I was in radio for, um, you know, about 15 years. Hmm. And so my ego was definitely, you know, driving me into opportunities, you know, as it related to my career. And when there was a healthy balance between the ego kind of moving me in that direction and me really connected m- with my why, yes, there was alignment. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So, but when I would get away from the why or really truly being in service, then I would start to feel that contraction. Oh, this is a really important point yeah. that you're bringing up. Mm -hmm. And um, similar to you just as a life coach and doing a lot of work right now, um, surprisingly to me in, in like the, uh, the corporate world, yeah. where people are very hungry to rise up in leadership roles, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to. And mm -hmm. there's so much ego, as you probably see as well, everywhere, but yeah. and not necessarily that it's a bad thing. Like you're saying, it can open up doors and, and lead us to wherever. Yeah. But what I'm, I'm really noticing is this idea that um, there's this really uh, constant practice of discerning between um, what is the egoic pattern here that's mm -hmm. trying to hook me into something that's not leading me towards my highest good? And then like, what is the highest good? And it's yeah. like this constant back and forth tension Yes, that, that you're reminding me of as you're yes. talking about this. Yeah. Yeah, that's always there. And it never goes away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, at least that's what I truly believe. And I think if we can be an acceptance of like, this is what it means to be a human being and have a nervous system, we're so lucky <laughs> that we get to actually, you wow. know, we can, we can watch. It's like, you know the, when you were talking about the ego, what came to mind is like, you know, the, when we're pushing in the direction of like, what is it, you know, what is it we want to experience or what is it that we desire? Yeah. Then the ego is probably going to show us all the blocks and the barriers to that desire. So therefore, like, I love that relationship because mm. it's constantly showing me where I'm limited in my thinking, that space of contraction. Mm. And I think as human beings, it's interesting you say that because I get that I actually get that question a lot and it'll be in passing where it's like this is not a passing question that you no, ask. No, it's quite <laughs> deep. There's a lot here. This, this is it. And yeah. depending on your life experience, depending on the lens in which you're looking through, your answer is going to be much different because what is your relationship to your ego? Yeah, that's right. It's going to be subjective to everybody, I guess it's, mm -hmm. a, and I'm finding, I don't know, have you found this too? It's like, it's really an internal as opposed to external decision every moment when I'm navigating between, is this ego or is this of like source or whatever? Yeah. What do you call that? What do you, if it's not ego, what is it? Um, in your, in your mind of or experience of this, if it's not ego, what is it? That's a great, it's nameless. It's nameless. <laughs> it's, it's consciousness. Like, okay. You know, I think the, um, you know, at the Chopra Center, we, I actually, we just did a master class for, you know, how to become um, a meditation teacher. And part of the master class was going through Adi Shankara's, um, you know, going through the different layers of mm. life and how all these different layers, the mind, the intellect, the ego, our extended body, our physical body, our energetic body, they all have different qualities of consciousness. Oh, wow. So if you think of like that, like I'm always about taking the concept and then I love the practical application. So I'm always like, what are the qualities of ego? So it's like if you were to ask a better question. What are the qualities of ego? It's specific to you and your experience and what you make it mean. Oh, wow. Amazing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does totally make sense to me that we're totally navigating subjectively on what we're deciding is ego or not. Yeah. Because that, again, if we are asking that question about ego, 
And we look at, again, Adi Shankara's layers of life. And when we get into, you know, thinking of the mind, the intellect, and the ego, each of those are different qualities of consciousness. Hmm. So when you think of your mind and your intellect, to me, two different things. Ego, Hmm. completely different thing. Mm -hmm. And then we get into our personal soul and then our collective soul Hmm. and then Brahman. It's all Brahman. It's all consciousness. Wow. So it's like those layers. And when I think of when you're like, has it always been like this? When I think of the layers of my life, you know, as um, I know exactly why, you know, I because um, I, I do believe that we choose our parents. I know exactly why I chose my parents. My dad, you know, and this is really getting me into, I think, why you and I are here today, whether you know it or not. But by my dad um, in the relationship that we had and my longing for always there to be something more, something different, something better, mm. Because I was holding this fantasy, this vision of how I someday was going to have this relationship with my father. When he died two years ago, and that completely obliterated my foundation and what I knew to be true. And now that he was dead, there was no way that I could have that relationship with him. Hmm. And that's what set me on my trajectory of doing all of the grief and loss and resilience work. So if I had, again, if my dad and I had not chosen each other, then this innate, I would say, because I also really believe in the power of, um, of, of archetypes and how we all have these gifts within us mm-hmm. that sometimes it takes a big catalyst, you know, a big experience for those gifts to be, those gods and goddesses to be woken up and move through us. And that absolutely happened to me when my dad died because of the, you know, the, the traumatic experience around his death, how it just left, left us all in shock. I realized how much I was sleepwalking through my life. Wow. And truly by, you know, through his death, it's when I actually chose to start living. Wow. Amazing. Whew, that's... I mean, I'm saying amazing, but <laughs> it truly is it's like, it's like waking up from a long, 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 long nap. Wow. And just being like, how long have I been asleep? So what's the experience been like to wake up since then? Um, you know, the first part, I think, for me after my dad died is I realized that I was not only grieving his death, but all of the other loss that I had experienced along the way. And how I had just been like, I'll just get through it, you know, or it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And um, everything from kind of a loss of innocence in childhood. So again, like, you know how I said, it's like there's that thread of stillness, but then there's a lot of chaos in the mind, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you. Do you have children? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone heard that. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, I was talking with a friend the other day who has... Um, children and she's like you know what she's like and she's also in this world and she's doing grief and trauma work and she's an amazing teacher and she's like it doesn't she's like yeah we want to be good parents but like I feel like our job 
on this planet is to just, it's like survive our childhood. And then when we get to be adults, we get to choose if we want to unlearn some patterns of behavior, some belief systems that we inherited or we got taught exactly along the way. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, like you could accidentally forget to pick up your child from school and what they make that mean for them, for them at that moment, at that moment. Yeah. And then how, how does that then affect them as an adult? Yeah. Because, absolutely. and that is going back to the qualities, like the qualities of consciousness. It's like, it's not every, I believe circumstances, it's the neutrality of circumstance, but then we, depending on the lens in which we're looking through, we assign that positive or negative. Totally. Constant decision-making Constant. choice. Constant yum, choice. yum, yum, yuck. Yeah. Uh, who is it? Oh, I had Alyssa Nobregon a few weeks ago and, and she had this, um, from one of her teachers, she said that the, this constant practice is like a song or a dance. And, um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember how it went now in the moment. It was like, uh, it'll come to me at the right time. But it was like this, this mantra almost of just like, yes, no, yes, no. But it was mm-hmm. like, um, Oh, it was, it was really funny at the time. It'll come back, but yeah, it's, it's, it's there. That constant, it's that constant back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Now my mind's racing to that. I want to be here. I'm back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Snap. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I also, um, as you're talking about this, like, when I'm, when I'm listening to you speak about trauma from an early age as well, mm-hmm. yeah. and along the way, um, can you share just a little bit more about that experience when you were younger experiencing the trauma? Like, yeah. What, how did that work for you? <laughs> so, um, not very well. <laughs> yeah, at the time. And yet, perfectly. But perfectly. Yeah, because that's the meaning that I assigned to my experience. Mm. Is that through, um, through everything that has happened in my life, and not to the point where I'm like merry-making and everything, and it's like everything... Because I, I truly don't believe things happen for a reason. Mm. I believe things happen, and then depending on our level of consciousness, we assign meaning to that. So they don't happen for a reason. I don't believe that. You believe that it just happens. I believe things happen. And then we assign a perspective to it. That's right. Oh, is that ever interesting? Are you, since we're going all deep here, and maybe some people are listening going, <laughs> where are these guys <laughs> vibing to? But I just love it's it. Seeding it's their consciousness. It You're is. expanding. This yeah. is like, this is almost, well, this is reminding me of sitting with somebody like Deepak, who just kind of, <laughs> whoo, and then it's like, okay, reel it in, Deepak. Let's That's right. bring it back to reality. Let's reel it in. Yeah, there's this back and forth. But, um, and we just came from a Kundalini yoga class. You got to remember, <laughs> we are like vibing on another <laughs> elevated level right now That's as we're right. talking. Um, but let's bring it, let's bring it like back in just yeah. a little bit for some people. We may have lost them okay. because I feel like we're like, whoa. So yeah. bring it in. Um, tell me what is like a regular practice for you right now mm-hmm. in order to stay connected to choosing the perspective that you want to choose as things happen? Um, so my daily sadhana practice so my, so I practice Kundalini yoga, teach yes. Kundalini. Okay. So, um, in the morning, um, and I would say most mornings, you know, I'm getting up, you know, anywhere between like four thirty and six. Um, it's kind of right now it's between four thirty and five. And then, um, I will do whatever Kriya. So I'll do like a, a Kundalini Kriya meditation, breath work, um, and then sit in meditation. Wow. So that's how I, how I start. And then 
the kind of like moment by moment practice is I think the best way to like continue to like evolve and expand is like learn how to teach this stuff. Oh wow. Become a teacher. Sure. Because when you become a teacher and you're studying, you're, you're learning how to articulate this to others. It's like, there's, again, there's, there's, um, there's the embodiment. So it's like, I feel, um, especially in the world today, there's a lot of knowledge out there. There's so much knowledge. There's so many online courses. There's amazing podcasts like yours. Yep. There's workshops, but it's, it's taking it from the knowledge into the experiencing of it. Right. I and that's really the wisdom. loved that about the yoga class that we yeah. just did is that we were, for those of you that haven't done Kundalini, we were literally like drawing circles with our body. That's right. And Sufi we were circles. Sufi circles. We're doing it now. And we were, we were doing these intense <laughs> breath of fire exercises where we're like, yeah. and we were like um, back and forth in the body. And it yeah. was, uh, it was what, why is that important? Um, why do we need to drop out of the conscious into the body? So um, Yogi Bhajan says, in order for the postman to arrive and deliver your package, you got to be home. Oh, wow. <laughs> Meaning yeah. it's so important for us Love to that. be embodied. Sure. You know, and so the other piece is part of like a daily practice is, um, you know, he who controls the breath directs the mind. So I think so often we're immediately, we're trying to beat the mind into submission do this, focus, but really the gateway is through the breath. And so when we're, especially in Kundalini, there's a lot of breath work, right? And we're doing it, stimulating, it's really a technology. So we're stimulating, you know, the glandular system. And when we're moving breath to movement, Mm -hmm. the best way, especially when we're thinking of like trauma is it's like an, an unwinding of the body these oh, patterns. Wow. Does that make sense? So when we were sitting there, we're, <laughs> we're doing Sufi know, circles we're doing, right I now. wish you could see this. <laughs> so we were like literally sitting on the floor doing circles with the body yeah. while breathing. And, yes. it, and it was like an unwinding yeah. of all the trauma. Well, you, again, what does it mean to you? Whatever it means to you. Yeah. Your yeah, perspective yeah. at the time. And I, you wow. know, Sufi circles are so powerful. And I, um, so I work with a lot of, you know, clients who have, you know, trauma and grief. And it's like the last place they want to be is in their body because we want to, we want to disconnect from that. We don't want to feel. We want to just make sense of it or, or maybe run away, run away. So it's fight, flight, or freeze. Right. So if we can just, again, because it's the Kundalini, why it works, especially with, um, you know, grief, loss, and trauma, and let's face it, life, Mm -hmm. is it's strengthening the nervous system. Because here's what I know is that if you try and go at things at the level of the mind, and the reason why I found Kundalini is because after my dad died, um, my meditation practice and yoga practice were cutting it. It was actually aggravating. Mm. And then I found Kundalini and it started to strengthen my nervous system, which the intention is that when you have a strong container, so you heard me say in class, it's like plug any leaky hole, strong container. Yes. And when you have a strong container then no matter what happens, you can stay in it. Mm. It's like building resilience in, in the physical body, exactly. in the nervous system. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. So when people come to um, a coaching session mm-hmm. with you, is it a group setting or is it one-on-one or both? Both. 
And what does that look like typically? I'm sure it's always different. <laughs> but what are some of the, like what might somebody experience if they come see you? Yeah. So good question. Um, so the, the type of coaching I do um, is called core energy leadership coaching. And so, and I love it because it's such a perfect complement to everything I was studying and teaching at Chopra, mm. which is a consciousness-based perspective in coaching that you, when working together, we're able to, there's seven different levels of consciousness or awareness, you could say. And depending on what is going on in your life, we can easily kind of pinpoint, okay, what level are you operating at? Because here's what I know, and you tell me if you agree with this, is that here in the West, we need like context or a container for consciousness. It's like, cool, right, yeah, consciousness. What is that? Yes, it's so intellectual. It is. Yes. Which it's not. I know. You can't (laughs) contain this stuff in that way. But we need need like a point of reference, right? We need to be able to articulate it in a way that like we can at least begin to understand yes so that we can bring that into the experiencing well you know there was a moment today when we were in the final meditation and there was this gong going off yeah. like that you were playing and as i was laying there i lost the like i felt like i lost the container that normally holds making sense of everything yes and it was like this brief moment where it just felt i felt the oneness whatever that wow. it was just like this oh it was like a, a I just let go. I imagine that must be what it's like when you die or something. Yeah. It was just like, whoa. And and then all, quickly I came back and was like, oh, container, you know? Right. Have you, have you had that experience before, similar yeah. to that? Yeah. And yeah. that that kind of like relaxing into the let go. Yeah. You know, in, in when we think to... Um, because like going back to our ego conversation is like, you know, the I former, it's like, I, I, mine, mine, you know, the roles we play, like the things that we own Yeah. and the mind can only take us where we've already been. Right. It's just replaying all the stories. So if yes. we want to go somewhere we've never been, like to go back to the mind to try to figure it out is, which of course it makes sense why we do that. Sure. But it only leads us back into kind of the same patternings of behavior. So that's what I love oh, yeah. about what you experienced because you were in that let go. And even if it was for a fraction of a second, mm-hmm. there still was that space where you were able to expand beyond, you know, the boundaries of the mind or the body or whatever. Right. And feel, return back to that oneness. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like dying while you're alive. Exactly. Is what it reminds me of. Exactly. Very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's been like that l- lately. I, I'm just thinking a little more specifically about how my mind has told this story, and I think a lot of people's minds lately, there's not enough time. I've got to yeah. get somewhere. Right. I've always got to get somewhere and plan it, and i got to get there. And there's been this like grace that's dropped in over the mm. last little bit for me mm-hmm. where it's um, it's like, oh, no, that's, a, that's the story. Yeah. But I don't need to know where. I need to be here, yeah. and I always get what I need. Yeah. It drops in and it's like the the oneness is here right now. Mm-hmm. If we want to just allow that to you know? Yeah. Wow, it's beautiful and it, what you just you kind of made me think of like, you know, why do we move away from the present moment? You know, in the hopes that the next one will give us something that this one does not. Right. And I mean, intellectually we get how that's like not a good strategy. Yeah. But it's like 
the mind, like I just have this new relationship with my mind where it's like, I want to befriend my mind, you know, like when I'm having, you know, repetitive thoughts or I'm, I'm feeling certain emotions. I don't try to subdue those anymore. Mm -hmm. Instead, I like, this is coming up for me because it's alerting. This is something that I need to pay attention to. Wow. And because I'm, I'm feel fortunate enough that I've made this my life's work to really study this. And in order to also help and share with others is that, you know, it's, it really just comes down to asking really good questions. Sure. You know, and, um, I believe that the quality of our life is equivalent to the questions we ask. And I was asking some really bad questions. <laughs> give me, can you give me an example of a bad question and, and one that you might currently be asking? Yeah. So a bad question would be, why does this always happen to me? <laughs> okay. I can hear the limiting beliefs are <laughs> merging here. Yeah. So it's like when we ask that question, it's like immediately because the mind wants to serve you, right? It's going to go out and retrieve all the evidence of like, here's why all this happens to you. Yeah. Stories. Right. Yeah. Which doesn't lead me in the direction that I want to go. Um, but the, so for me, like for example, my Really, my mission is to impact 1 million people to, um, especially around the topic of grief and loss, so that they might be inspired and find liberation mm. through really education and normalizing grief and really talking about what it is. So the question that I ask now is, what needs to happen for me to spread this mission to a million people? So I don't know the answer to that yet. I mean, being here on this podcast is a step in that direction. Yeah, you're going to reach 300 Canadians. <laughs> I, by the way, I love Canadians. Oh, well, we're, we're happy to welcome you to the, pod, the <laughs> Canadian you. podcast here. Thank you. It's great. But like asking questions like that, like instead of like, this is never going to work, like, yes. you know, like, why don't, why don't I get to live my dream? Like mm -hmm. that's very like even when you think of that it feels very contracted where totally what needs to happen for me to inspire a million people well now i've got a really good question that my mind's like i don't know but let's figure it out right and and all the limiting beliefs about why that may not be possible will come up but i'll look at those one by one yeah you know and then that moves me in the direction of of change. That's amazing. Something that I've appreciated about you, yeah. I get this sense that there's a lot of um, synchronicity around you in your yeah. life. Yes. And I sense that that might be a theme for a long time. Really? Um, I just get this. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on a farm in Iowa and I'm sitting with you here in Encinitas, <laughs> California right now. That's how I, f I grew up in Manitoba, which is like farm country, Canada. <laughs> we're farm kids made good. High five. High five yeah. to that. And we're like sitting here in Encinitas, California. Well, it's freezing cold up north. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, so synchronicity. I want, right. I'm just curious about that. I mean, synchronicity brought you and I together. Yes. I know that. Oh, yeah. Wayne Dyer brought us together for me, yeah. like in my experience of it, my lens of it. Yeah. Um, even though he'd passed on, I just, mm -hmm. he guided me to that event that he was supposed to be at. Yeah. It was like, how, what the heck? Right. Amazing. It was, I was in awe that day. Um, but for you, like, so why, I'm just curious what, like why synchronicity happens or if you've got any mm -hmm. sense of why we experience that in our lives and how we could actually tap into more of that. So that is a great question because again, I think the synchronicity, the manifestation, um, 
you know, we were just in Palm Springs with the Chopra Center doing an event called Infinite Possibilities, right? which is all about Deepak's book, The Spontaneous Fulfillment of Desire. Oh, that's a, I love that book. If you love synchronicity, you love spontaneous fulfillment of desire. Yes. And the, you know, at that event, um, the piece that I did, I actually taught a special yoga program that was... Um, based on Kundalini, but specifically archetypes and chakras. So tying the archetypal qualities to each of the seven chakras. And um, then I also had a session on how to invoke your archetype. And so what I believe and what gives me meaning and like really gets me inspired to get out of bed is to believe I'm living a mythic life. Mm. And if I believe I'm living a mythic life, then can you imagine how differently I think, I feel, and I act in wow. my results? Define a mythic life. So a mythic life would be, um, remember how I said like, you know, everything is neutral, the meaning we assign to it? Yes. So I would say that like everything that happens, it's like I bring this meaning into it and it's like it's a larger than life quality. Oh, like you wow. and I coming okay. together, anyone that, you know, comes to the Kundalini yoga classes that gather, anyone I meet at Chopra, anyone I meet for coffee, that either they're delivering me a message that I need to hear, or I am delivering them one that they get to either choose to listen to or not. But then if there's, cause there's only so many themes that we can play out. Yeah. Right. And I think mine is, um, because early on I felt again, very misunderstood in that sense of belonging, Mm. but the greatest piece for me in terms of belonging has been through being of service to others so that others don't have to suffer like I did. Wow. You know, because I mean, there were times I would say as a teenager where I just felt this heavy cloak of darkness and not even really sure why. I mean, there were things that happened in my childhood, early childhood that were definitely some traumatic events, but it was like this, I don't want to feel this way. I would rather be not on this planet. Wow. Like I had those thoughts. Yeah. That and it and and I would downplay it because it was like, I mean, this is all an inside job. Mm -hmm. But then I would I chose careers like I was in radio and all these things where it was like I was happy, energetic on the outside, but meanwhile on the inside it was a very different tune. (sighs) Wow. (laughs) So you're going through the motions, but inside you're like screaming. Yes. Wow. So my, I would say for me, because that has been a theme uh-huh. and also really deeply connecting through the heart and, um, and, and just, I've always like, whether it was, I, I was in radio or writing or even teaching, it's, there's always been this power of the word for me and the way that, you know, the way that I, I speak or what, the way that I share, or the way that I teach And I think one of my biggest lessons is um, finding the alignment between my words and my actions. Oh, wow. Because processing that. Yeah. Yes. Because you speak things into manifestation, right? Right. Or we speak things, but if we don't follow through, then it's like it's sending these like mixed signals. So going back to what we were talking about, Yogi Bhajan, it's like in order for the postman to arrive, you got to be home. Right. Well, your word is your wand. Right. So like, 
That's yeah. uh, Catherine Ponder. I read yes. that. She said, your word is your wand. Right. And if that's misaligned with our actions right. in some way or any misalignment, we're going to fall off the path. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come back. And not experience synchronicity. And not experience the synchronicity. So you asked for like a practical tool of to experience synchronicity and coincidence. Yeah. What it's like, you say? I would say, you know, be so mindful of what you speak into existence. You know, one thing I want to say, because we're on a podcast here, self-deprecating humor, I feel is one of the biggest, it's, it's, um, it's so socially acceptable. In fact, it's trending and it is the biggest disservice we are doing to ourselves as humanity. All right. It's not the biggest, but it's one of them because when we're doing the self-deprecating humor and you see it all over social media, it cuts off the receptivity channel. Completely. Yeah. And like from, I mean, in the book that I was writing on mindfulness and I mean, from the framework of that, it's like, yeah, the spirit, the synchronicity doesn't come directly to the conscious thinking mind. It comes through the body. And if our mind is saying, oh, I'm so stupid, the unconscious goes, oh, you're so stupid. And then all of a sudden we start seeing all of these confirmations of I'm so stupid around us, right? Like we start creating what our words or our thoughts are thinking about. Right. So it's like alignment with that. Yeah. Wow. And as you were just saying, mm. and I remember that chapter, um, because it's like, it's, you, it truly is with our words, we create our world. Yes. So, and with our thoughts and our words, and it's like our words, you know, our thoughts, we're actually speaking them. So our words are one, even if we're not speaking it into manifestation, we are. Right. It's just, it's not coming out of our mouth into the world. I found that, um, I mean, based on the pace that our world is going these days where we're bombarded, like the phone's ringing, people are talking, even the, the speed that we speak and walk, it's like, it's very hard to be mindful about what I'm thinking and speaking yeah. unless I slow my pace down. Have mm-hmm. you experienced this? Yeah. And, and do you find that there's a connection there between pace and purpose, so to speak? Yes. We, should, we should write a book. Pace and purpose. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> it's do so you, great. Do you find that there's a, um, a connection between those two things? I, you know, I think there's a direct correlation because I'm also thinking of in the past when I would speak or when I see speakers who are like talking so fast. And again, if we're going to look at Ayurveda, we'd say Vata, Pitta, you know, yeah, yeah. Vata, Pitta, Kapha. Vatas yeah. are, you know, they have, they talk a little bit faster because they're also processing faster. But I think there's something to be said that if we're, we're speaking, speaking, speaking so fast that, um, and we're not even giving the person an opportunity to like digest it and respond <laughs> Yeah, that this goes back to what you were talking about in yoga, which is when you have that, like let go in that space, then we allow for there to be the space for something else to fill it, you know, mm-hmm. something that is much bigger, you know, much more expansive than us. But I love that pace and purpose. Pace it. Yeah. Look out for the new book. That's right. (laughs) We got to make that happen. Coming fall 2019. I love it. Get started. (laughs) Yeah, we better. Yeah, if we're saying fall 2019, (laughs) wow. I just spoke it into existence. You did. We're gonna have to write like crazy this summer. Um, Uh, One. Can I say one other thing about synchronicity? Yeah, I'd love Um, to hear. So, you know, if you want more synchronicity, like what needs to happen for you to believe that you're living a mythic life? You know, like ask that as a really good question. And then think back, think back through your life times of like, um, you know, speaking to resilience, there's a connection too between resilience and these, you know, gods and goddesses that want to birth their qualities through us. But 
when you came across a hard time or a big challenge, what came through you so that you could persevere and move through that? Mm. Have you found an answer to that? So I would say, you know, for me, it going back to what I was saying is like the, um, for me, deep, deep understanding. Like I so want to understand, um, I don't want to say why things happen because it's not the why, but I want to understand why it's meaningful to me in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, and I think for that wisdom is definitely something that when I look at kind of like throughout my life, that thread wisdom, compassion, um, and then also, um, when I think that I don't have enough to serve, that is the ego telling me that like, you don't have enough, keep some for you. Oh, wow. So when I come from a place of service though, and I am like really deeply connected with my why I'm teaching or the why I'm, you know, doing a course or whatever that is, that when I come from that place of service, like I have more available to me, more energy Hmm. because it's like, it's also that compassion. So like I, my archetypes, um, Kuan Yin, Okay. So I love Kuan Yin because I think of compassion and her ability to serve. Yeah. Her daughter, Pili, was very creative. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. Um, And then I think of um, Athena. Okay. So I think of, you know, wisdom. And then I also have a real life living archetype and that's of Carol Burnett. Really? Love Carol Burnett. Oh my goodness. Because I love her. Just, she was groundbreaking in those days with the Carol Burnett show. Yeah. And what she did, and I would come home from school and I'd watch her and I was like, I want to be like Carol Burnett. What was it about her that you loved? Her sense of humor. I felt like she, um, she's very funny. Yeah. And then just her ability, she had this capacity to hold. I don't know if you know. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like even. I do. Even back then, I noticed that like her ability to hold, it's like her energetic body, the Uh expansiveness. Uh Uh-huh. And then it's like she would hold that space because it was like a variety show, right? Like, gosh, I don't even know if they could do that these days. But she, her capacity to hold, her ability to articulate and communicate. And like, I just felt like she had this presence yeah. that I was like, I, I just, I felt lit up yeah. when I would watch her. You so. have it. It's right there, <laughs> archetype you. Carol Burnett. <laughs> Thank you. And Kuan Yin. And who was the other one? I want to... Uh, Athena. Athena. Yeah. Like the the warrior? Yes. Oh, we were doing a move today in Kundalini, for those of you that aren't familiar. And it was like our hands were clenched. Yeah. And we were just one hand over the shoulder than the other. And it was right. like... Fists of anger. Fists of anger. We were going like back over the head, one hand at a time. And as we were doing it, I felt like I was just cutting through all the yes. crap in my life. Yes. It was. It reminded me of Athena the warrior getting yes. to like this place of just ah serenity yeah 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 that's very accurate <laughs> that's exactly what you're doing and you're you're doing that powerful o breath and yeah yeah it's very powerful i um i just want to bring if anybody's still with us that have like they're like i don't know what this language is that you guys are talking about kundalini yeah. yoga yeah definitely go check it out yes it's so powerful yeah it really really is i i've just we're getting close to the end but i want to know and be completely honest. Yes. Do you remember our encounter in Maui? Or was it after the fact when I sent you a book and I was like, here's the story? Because no. you must meet a lot of people. I, I totally remember. 
Because yeah. I remember we were, um, it was like the, the kind of like in the foyer. Yeah. The foyer, foyer. Foyer, foyer. We're Canadian or American. Potato, potato. I don't know. But in there and connecting with you on that, I do remember that. Yeah. Tell me the story. Because you, the the impact that it had for you or the opening. Yes. So everyone can hear and I can hear in person. Yeah. Well, I had gone to Maui because uh, Wayne Dyer, many of you listening know, he's been a huge influence and teacher, both alive and on the other side. And I'd been cued to start writing a book called Making Sense of Mindfulness. So I'd been doing that every morning. And I was getting towards the end of the book, and I just got this feeling from the Wayne Dyer energy that pops in. And uh, he just said, go finish this in Maui. Like, just feel it. And I just wanted to feel it. So I flew over to Maui, and... um, it was really profound. I was there writing one day, and s- some miracles happened while I was there. I just said, Wayne, because it was the first time I'd been there since he passed away. I said, mm-hmm. if this is really true, all these things you talk about, just like show yourself. And um, sure enough, I went to this Nakili blowhole, I think it's called, and there was like water shooting up, and like a rainbow kept forming. And wow. in the distance, there was like a whale breaching. And it was just, okay, I got the sign. And so I went home uh, after that, and literally the phone rang. And my friend Mark in Winnipeg said, Deepak Chopra's doing this event, and it's like right up your alley. You should go down to the Ritz-Carlton and, and check this out. And so I, I didn't think, <laughs> I'm like this Canadian guy, and I'm just, my mom calls me Forrest Gump. And I just trust the synchronicity too. And I was like, I'm just, okay, I'll pay attention. So I drive down, and I walk into the Ritz-Carlton feeling very underdressed. I don't even think I have an, an outfit that would suit that place. I walk in and I feel like a bum in my mind. My egoic mind's like, oh, you should not be here. You don't belong here. Yeah. All that crap that we tell ourselves. And I walked in and I said, look, is there any ticket for this event? I really feel like I need to be here. And they said, you got to talk to this Libby. And you were, you were on fire. You were like making that place run. You were running all over the place. I said, I'll be right back. And then she said, sorry, it's sold out. We don't, have, we don't have tickets. And then you came back and you said, actually... Um, we're going to get you on. I think you texted me actually. I left. I left and I was like, oh man. And then you texted and you said, actually, we, we've found a way to get you in. And, uh, and then I was standing in line and found out that Wayne Dyer was supposed to be co-hosting that with Deepak. Yeah. And I, I actually started crying because I was like, wow, Wow. that's, there's the confirmation Wayne. Thank you. And the book just finished after that. It was just, it just completed. And I, you just opened that whole door for me. And it's just, um, you know, I, there was a quote, and man, I'm still trying to remember the, the piece from Alyssa earlier, but there's this quote that Wayne used to talk about where while you're the like lead player in your own life, you're the spear carrier in somebody else's. Yes. And you were that for me. <gasps> you like just prodded me into like this opportunity, and I'm just absolutely grateful. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And in addition to that, I keep getting this cue, and you'd mentioned earlier your dad, and yeah. uh, I just really feel like his presence has been here during this yeah. podcast. And I just, I as as much as my ego's fighting saying it, I just want you to know how loved you are, Libby. Thank you. And uh, he's coming through to just remind you. Thank you. He wants so you much. to know that. Oh, thank you. Whew. Well, that was <laughs> definitely the single most profound moment of my, just of learning of my dad's death that changed the trajectory of my life forever. Much like you were talking about, Hmm. you know, coming to the Ritz Carlton (laughs) where these moments 
yeah are the portals into something that the mind can't comprehend and we can't even articulate through words and thank god we can't <laughs> yeah just to be in it yeah wow thank you yeah thank you oh here was the Alyssa Nobriga oh, thing he's got it <laughs> yeah baby he's got it um <laughs> It was this constant dance, if you remember, back and forth to like on, on of spirit, ego, back and forth. And she used to, it was, uh, the mantra was doobie, 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 doobie. It was like <laughs> this, this little song that we sing all day long, doobie, doobie, doobie. And this is returning back to the beingness when we get two up in the head. And, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, doobie, 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 doobie. Doobie. Yeah. That's, so that's our um, exit music for the podcast <laughs> coming up it's now. great. Yeah. Thank you. Libby, for being here. How can people uh, connect with you and get down here for a Kundalini class yeah. or a session with you? So a couple different things. I'm actually working on an online course, uh, cool. Grief, Loss, and Resilience. Oh, great. So working title, What's the Best That Could Happen, which is all, it's like the basis for all my teachings, which is truly circumstance, what's the best that could happen? Beautiful. So online course will be, um, I would say, this summer. And then um, liberated.com, my website has all the workshops that I'll be teaching at, classes here in Encinitas, California, um, and then some other really cool stuff that I'm working on too. I love it. Liberated.com. It's L-I-B-B-E-R-A-T-E-D. Like Libby. That's right. Liberated. It's like Libby, but liberated. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for showing up. It's truly a pleasure. And I appreciate everyone that you are reaching and impacting. And I'm hoping that these words in this time that we've spent has deeply touched everyone and everything. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. I hope you enjoyed the thoughts and the wisdom that was flowing out from Libby Karstensen. She's an amazing light on our planet. I hope you will keep in touch with her. Speaking of keeping in touch, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, especially if you enjoyed it. And uh, let me know if you have any guest ideas of who you'd like to hear interviewed on the show. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And I wish you a wonderful week ahead. Love on.